Time keeps on leaving and we keep on moving. When do we pass on our wisdom to the youth? My veteran story lost our discussions, fireside chats with the bourbon or two. It's time to hear the story by military veterans. Get yourself ready. It's the Lost Arts Podcast. The Lost Arts with Andrew Cox. Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast that gives a voice to our veterans. The Lost Art with Andrew Cox. I'm your host, Andrew Cox, and today we will be doing another fireside chat. That's right, another fireside chat. I want to thank you out there, the listeners, for your support and continuing to support your veterans, your local veterans, and everything that they've got going on. So I appreciate everything that you're doing for me and for those veterans out there who might have their own business or maybe out doing other things. Uh, but I do want to say thank you and thank you for tuning in. Um, speaking of uh, local veterans and doing great things, here's a uh, quick shout out and a advertisement for someone who's doing something uh, in the Hampton Roads local area. Are you in the Virginia Beach, Hampton Roads area and looking for a fun, family-friendly musical act? Then you are in luck. Poncho Music is an experienced musician and entertainer performing country music favorites of yesterday and today. Poncho, a United States Marine Corps veteran, performs in the Hampton Roads area right here in Virginia. Come on out to listen to great music and have family fun. You can find a listing of upcoming events on Facebook. Type in Poncho Music. That's P-A-N-C-H-O-M-U-S-I-C. Like and follow. Support your local veterans. Poncho Music, performing in the Hampton Roads area. All right, welcome back, welcome back. In today's Fireside Chat, we continue discussing leadership. That's leadership according to this crusty master gunny, of course. Uh, but first... A quick sea story to get us going. So there I was. I was a drill instructor. Motivated drill instructor. I was one of the newer drill instructors. So it was, you know, within my first, maybe second cycle. And uh, we were doing a uh, PFT. So a physical fitness test for the recruits. And uh, typically the junior drill instructor is the ones that has to do all the hard work, right? The, the running the recruits and, and making sure that they're doing pull-ups and yelling and screaming when they're doing crunches and things like that. Well, this uh, particular one, we started out doing pull-ups and uh, got through the pull-ups and everything. And we started getting the recruits over for the run. And uh, the first sergeant looks over and tells me, he's like, hey, jump in the cart and follow everybody, uh, follow in behind everybody. I was like, first sergeant, that's... That's typically not a job that uh, that a junior drill instructor does. And he goes, I, I don't care. I said, get in the cart and follow us. I said, I first sergeant. So I jumped in the cart and we took off down the road. And as we we're running, one of the recruits kept falling back. And as he would fall back, he'd say, oh, my arm hurts or oh, my leg hurts. And I'd jump out of the cart and I'd scream at him a little bit. I'd jump back in the cart and follow. And he you know, I kept encouraging him through me yelling at him to continue moving. And we made it uh, almost to the halfway point. Um, and then we, the first sergeant saw us. And uh, so he comes up and starts giving his little love and attention and words of, 
words of encouragement to get this recruit to start moving faster. And the recruit just, again, kept just saying, oh, everything hurts. My arm hurts. My leg hurts. My I can't breathe. And he just kept saying different things. And so the first sergeant's like, you know what? Just put him in the cart. And we'll, we'll figure it out. Get him to see a corpsman when we get back. And I was like, I have first sergeant. So threw him in the cart and turned around. I uh, started following everybody back. Well, on, on the depot where we were at, uh, part of the run route runs on one of the roads. And we cone off the road there. And uh, since I was following everybody, one of my drill instructor buddies comes up. And he's like, hey, let's pick up the cones. You have the cart. Let's pick up the cones so we don't have to do it later. And I was thinking to myself, that's genius because I really don't want to have to come back out here and do this. So uh, the recruit who was sitting in the back of the uh, little cart there, uh, we needed him to move over. So we started yelling at him and encouraging him to move over. And uh, he wasn't responding to us. And all of a sudden, he did like a Frankenstein move where his arms just kind of went up and st he stiffened up. And so his arms were out in front of him, sitting back. And uh, at that point, I knew something ain't right. So I reached over and grabbed my phone immediately, 911, right? I started making a phone call. My buddy, he, he was... Uh, he wasn't gonna believe it right away and he's like oh this guy's faking so he did a sternum rub and i don't know if you ever had a sternum rub done to you but it's your knuckles across the sternum of somebody's chest really hard and violently and trust me if you're faking you're going to come out of it real quick because that does not feel good i can guarantee that um anyway so we uh he can he did the sternum rub and after the sternum rub uh he looked at him and he's like nah, he's still faking i was like no i don't think he is man and he said sternum rub again I was like, oh my God, it, kid didn't move. He's still in his Frankenstein. I said, dude, we got to get him out and put him on the ground so we can do all the CPR and stuff. And he's like, okay, so we get him out and lay him on the ground. At this point, it's just me and my buddy and this recruit. There ain't nobody else around. So uh, as a drill instructor, there's a litany of things that you do. If there's an emergency, there's you know a recruit goes down, there's a certain thing that you do. The first thing is that sternum rub. Um, and then you move on from there. So once we got him on the ground, my buddy went into drill instructor save everybody mode and he did another sternum rub. He's like, here he says, are you all right? Are you okay? And then he does a sternum rub. Of course, the recruit doesn't move again. So then he uh, starts the down the list of things that he has to do. So he looks around and looks at me and he says, you call 911. And I said, well, I'm on the phone with him right now. And he goes, okay uh and he looked around again of course it's just me and him and he points at me and says you go go get an aed kit i said okay sounds good i'll take care of that and he goes looks around again and he goes you and pointing at me and he says you post road guards and i'm like dude it's just me and you here there's nobody else i'll say try i'll take care of everything you just take care of this he's like okay so as i turned around to go and find an aed kit a car pulled up behind so I ran back there and I was like hey I need your help I need you to be a road guard make sure that nobody hits us or whatever uh, and he's like well I'm an EMT and I was like oh well, cool get out and help me we got a recruit down and he's like okay so I ran over to one of the buildings uh, went into dental and inside dental there's uh, there's an AED kit so I run in I said where's the AED kit and they were like oh it's over there and I was like, what's going on I was like I got a recruit down and we got to get the AED kit over there and they were like, oh, okay. So I grabbed the AD kit. I run back over. And at this point, he's doing CPR. My buddy's doing CPR on him. And uh, so we get the AD kit down and then we attach it and do all the stuff that we're supposed to do. And, you know, we let it do its thing. It had to shock him. So it shocked him or whatever. And at this point, I'm like, dude, I got to go get the first one. I got to let somebody know that this is happening. He's like, all right. So I take off because I'm on the phone with 911. So I couldn't call him. So I take off and get in the cart and I, I drive as fast as I can 
although not very fast in those carts. But anyways, I drive as fast as I can. I see the first sergeant. I'm yelling. I'm waving him down, and he sees me. He comes over. He's like, what's going on? I said, we got a recruit down. So we beat feet back in the cart all the way over to the recruit. And at this point, my buddy, I, I think he did like three or four, maybe even five cycles of CPR on him. Uh, the, he had shocked him, I think, two or three times. I think it was two times because the third time uh, this was the last one. Uh, but uh, after we shocked him the last time, finally the ambulance shows up. And as the ambulance is pulling up, the recruit all of a sudden takes a big deep breath. He's like, <gasps> like that, right? And everyone just kind of stops and looks. Um, and of course we freaking out because we we're like oh my god what the heck had just happened and um uh, oh i forgot to mention when i came back with the first sergeant this is a good part of the story when i came back with the first sergeant there was a group of sailors around as my buddy is giving him cpr and the the head doc for the dental clinic was given a a, a, a class a professional military education class to everyone standing around say this is textbook cpr this is exactly what you're supposed to do and da, da, da. and he's like going through the motions of yeah giving this class to everybody during the emergency uh which was absolutely insane uh but anyway so after the incident the medics you know they got him they put him in the ambulance took him to the hospital we eventually catch back up to the platoon and of course uh our uh, at least my 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 senior drone sergeant and everybody else was not happy with me because i wasn't there for the rest of the cft or pft excuse me the physical fitness test and uh, eventually the first sergeant and the company commander called for us and we uh, got called to the office. I had to go through the whole litany of the story, explain everything that happened so they understood. And I thought for sure that my life, my career was over. I could see my career flashing before my eyes. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, we're going down for this hard. And at the very end, uh, the company commander, he's like, you guys did such a fantastic job that he's going to be okay. He's at the hospital. They're looking into it and everything's, but he's alive and he's doing well. And at that point, it was just like a big relief. And I was like, oh, thank God. Um, but yeah, it's that, that was one of my uh, wonderful experiences as a drill instructor. And my wife, she always says, you know, I never understood. Like, how is it that, that you, of all people, could help kill, kill somebody and then bring them back and then get an award for it? And I actually did get an award. I got a uh, certificate of uh, commendation. And then my buddy, who actually did the CPR, I think he got a NAM, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, did really well. Uh, <laughs> it was definitely a, a fun time, I could tell you that. Uh, but it makes for a heck of a story, right? Killing a recruit and then bringing them back. So, all right. So uh, we're going to get back into this discussion. Talk a little bit about leadership. At least leadership according to this crusty master gunny here. Um, so... Last time we spoke about just genuinely caring, just having an attitude of, I actually care about the individual and I'm gonna go out of my way to learn everything I can about that individual. That way I can recognize if something is off in that individual as we move forward. And I can help them through not just uh, uh, work issues, but personal and uh, those types of things. And we talked about the difference between a leader and a manager. Um, that leader is more uh, for everything, right? So uh, we uh, had the definition, uh, the sum of those qualities of intellect, human understanding, and moral character that enables a person that enables a person to inspire and to control a group of people, right? And then that manager, a person who is responsible for controlling or administering all or part of a company organization. So really, that manager, he's just managing, doing the administrative aspects for the job, right? I'm going to do the job. I'm going to make sure everybody else is, and then we're going to go home. 
and that leader he's there to make sure that everyone is taken care of on the personal level uh, uh on the the military side if you're in the military making sure the job gets done all of those things all aspects so we'll, that jump puts us into the second part that I want to talk about, and that's friends and enemies, right? So we have to know who our friends are. We have to know who our enemies are. So uh, we've probably all heard the saying, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. And when I hear that, I, I think that, um, yes, we want our friends close to us, but we need our enemies closer. Like, I need to have them so close to me that I know what it is that they're thinking. I know what it is they're trying to do. That way I can recognize what they're going to do and I can either counter it or whatever to be able to get the mission done, right? So, so let's look at the definitions again. Friend, a friend, a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection. Okay, that's friends. Now, enemy, a person who is actively opposed or hostile towards someone or something. Okay, so there's your two definitions, right? So I always talk to them, talk to my Marines and talk to people that, that when I'm giving this discussion, um, and I always say that anybody can be your friend and anybody can be your enemy. In fact, the same person can be your friend and then in the next next day or the next couple of minutes, hours, whatever, could be your enemy. How do, why do I say that? Well, a friend is somebody that uh, you have a bond of mutual affection with, right? So let's say me and my buddy, we, we uh, want to go out and we want to do something. Uh, so we agree that, yeah, we want to go out. We want to have a good time, all those types of things. At that point in time, he's my friend. No matter which way you spin it, he's my friend. All right. But now comes a little more difficult part i want to do one thing my friend wants to do another okay that's fine but at this point he's now my enemy because he's does he doesn't want to do what i want to do right and if you think back the definition of leadership right the sum of those qualities intellect human understanding moral character that enable a person to inspire and to control a group of people successfully right i want to be able to control him to be able to get him on my side to do something in order to do that i've got to convince him of that right now he's not an enemy in a sense of a hostile enemy where he wants to do harm to me he's just opposed right actively opposed to uh something that i want to do so at that point in time he's my enemy by definition so when I'm talking friends and enemies, I don't necessarily mean enemies in a sense of your combative enemy, uh, although that is an enemy as well. Uh, I'm, I'm talking more on the leadership aspect, right? So how do I apply that as a leader? So um, in an organization, when you're, you're doing leadership and you're, you're, you're in charge of a group of individuals, right? There's many times that you're going to have to do something that maybe not everybody wants to do well how is it that you get them to do that if they're not wanting to do it what it is you want them to do well you have to inspire them to do it you have to control them somehow to get them to do what it is that they don't want to do right uh, and because they're opposed to what it is that you need or what you want therefore they're your enemy and in order to get your enemy to do something you have to convince them right you have to inspire them to want to be able to do that um, so that's kind of how I relate friends and enemies when we're talking about specifically leadership and those types of things. Not necessarily enemies in a sense of a hostile, right? Not somebody that's actually wanting to do harm to you, but somebody who's actively opposed to what it is that you want done. 
Okay, so that brings me to uh, topic number three that I want to hit real quick. Um, that's that's what I call the complainer, or more crudely, the turd, right? So we all have that one individual, maybe two individuals in an organization who's we consider the turd. That that person that is just always going against what everybody else wants. He's actively trying to to do the opposite, no matter what it is. Uh, he's just what everyone considers that that complainer about everything. It doesn't matter what it is. They complain about everything. They're the turd, right? So I have learned over my 25-year uh, career that the turd is actually one of the best natural-born leaders in your organization. Yeah, that's right. One of the best natural-born leaders. Now, you may think to yourself, Wow, how can you call that person a, a natural born leader? Well, this is how. As a individual, they are able to get people on their side very easily. They complain, they do whatever, and, and they're able to pull people in. Now, not every not every single one of them is this, this, uh, this in-depth in it, but typically, you're a complainer, people gravitate toward that person, right? And that means, that means that they have a way of inspiring people. Maybe not inspiring them for something positive, but they're inspiring them for something negative, right? So they're bringing them in. That's, that's that leadership uh, just on a negative side of the house, right? So, man, it, every time you look at that, right, and that natural-born leader, man, you always want to try to capitalize on that. But how do you do that? How do you capitalize on an individual who's the turd, the individual that is always opposed of what you're doing, right? Your enemy in that sense. Um, and how do you get them on your side? Uh, well, there's many ways to do that, right? So as a leader, part of the leading, and I talked about this in the last podcast, is just walking around and saying hi to people and, and asking them how they're doing and just creating that bond between somebody, right? And you do that with the superstars and you do that with the turds and everything in between um, and if you do that consistently you do that regularly and you show that individual that complainer or that turd that you care about them and you want want them to succeed and you want the best for them um, they will start to recognize that um, at many times as I walk around and I'll listen to the complainer those complainers they're going to give you straight scoop. They're going to tell you exactly what it is that's going on, whether uh, you want to hear it or not. Um, so they're going to tell you, hey, I think this is messed up, and this is why this is messed up, and blah, 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 blah. and they're going to go on and on and on. And you're going to be like, oh, my God, man, we I, we really got to just fire here. Uh, but, man, I utilize them all the time in that that way. Um, so when I when I have a issue that comes up or, or anything like that, um, and let's say there's something weird happening in the organization and I can't put my finger on it, don't quite know what it is. I'll go straight to that complainer and I'll just say, hey man, something's weird. And like, what's going on in the unit? What is this? What is that? And I'll start asking questions. And they'll eventually, they'll spill their guts and they'll tell you what it was or what it is. And then you can be like, oh, now I need to know what, or now I know what direction I need to move. Now I know how to combat that enemy or combat the situation to be able to get what I need, right? So I can influence uh, their their way, their behaviors, and what's going on. Um, otherwise, so I, I put this. 
it, very crudely sometimes, but uh, and bear with me. I, I know it's it's not the most politically correct way of doing things, uh, but I'm going to say it anyways because this is how I tell people. Um, we've we've all been given tasks or we've all been assigned things that we just know that nobody is going to want to do. It's just one of those things that, that there's not one soul on this planet that's going to say, yes, I want to do that. Uh, I give the example of uh, eating a shit sandwich. There is nobody that ever wants to eat a shit sandwich. But me as a leader, I've been tasked with making my unit eat this shit sandwich. And now you you think to yourself, okay, how is it that I'm going to get, how is it that I'm going to inspire a group, my my team, to uh, go ahead and eat this shit sandwich? Well, <clears throat> one of the ways that I do it is I'm going to utilize that complainer, that turd, that one person that complains about everything, right? I'm going to pull that individual in and I'm just going to talk and I'm going to be straight up and just give them exactly what it is. I'm going to tell them, hey, look, here's the situation. I know that you're the complainer. I know you're the one that goes against everything that happens and and all that type of stuff. And I'm going to need something from you. And I, I 100% because it, if you do it, there nobody else is going to uh, complain because you're the one that's always the complainer. You're leading that. And if you don't complain, then nobody else is going to complain because they don't want to be uh, worse off than, than you are because you're that person, right? And they're going to be like, oh, that's not me. It's not. And they're like, look, let's just level with one another. Let's, there's a reason I'm coming to you. You're a natural born leader. People listen to you and I need this done. And nobody's going to like doing it. I don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. Nobody else is going to want to do it either. So once you have that that conversation and that kind of explaining the situation to them and you say, okay, look, we have to eat this shit sandwich, but I need you to be the first one to take a bite. Don't complain. Don't do anything. Just take a bite. Uh, I promise you, I'll get you on the backside. I'll get you something uh, for this. And don't forget that because you're going to have to pay that individual back at some point in time. Somehow, some way, you got to pay that individual back. Um, so you get the whole group together, right? You got the complainer, you got the rest of the unit, you got yourself. And you say, you just level with the unit. Hey, look, we're going to do something that nobody wants to do. But here it is. We're going to eat this shit sandwich right here. And I need somebody to volunteer to take the first bite. And of course, at this point, everybody in the room is looking around like, there ain't no way that we're going to do this. Like, we're all in agreement. We're not. This is not happening. Uh, whatever, right? And, and they're totally against it. They're my enemy at this point. Um, but... There's always that one person, that complainer, right, that I already talked to and I already addressed with him and he agreed to taking the first bite. So he stands up, I'll take the first bite. And he walks up and he takes a big old bite of it and he just chews it down, swallows it and just enjoys it. At least in front of everybody, he enjoys it, right? Um, and then everybody looks around and they're like, oh, well, if he did it, I... I have to do it because I can't let that person do it. And then me not, I mean, that would look really bad, right? Um, so then everybody eventually starts coming around and going up and eating, eating from it. Now, again, like I said, that's a very crude way of looking at it. But it's one of those graphic things that that really kind of hone it in and, and explain kind of where I'm going from. Now, you can apply that to all types of different situations, right? I need my unit to, uh, you know, 
do security for a certain thing and and we maybe don't want the unit doesn't want to necessarily do that or or we have to in the band we have to play a certain uh, tune but nobody really likes to play that tune well how do i get them to how do i inspire them to play that the way that they need to play it in, in front of an audience right so there, there's a thousand different ways that you can do it, a million different ways that you can use that. Uh, but don't forget, man, that complainer, that is one of your best things that you have on your side uh, if you play your cards right. But you have to go to that complainer. You have to listen to them. You have to give them something in return. And what what I mean by that, what give them something in return. When you go to them and you listen to them and you, and you try to hone in on what is it that they're talking about and what's going on, then you need to take that back and change something that, that that individual was talking about. That way, whenever the individual sees the change, they're going to say, oh, he was actually listening to me. He changed something that I said I, I, that we should change. So that's a way that you can listen to them, right? And and really, there's a there's a go getter in every unit, and then there's there's the other flip side of that, right? That complainer, the turd, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but there's a flip side. Almost in every rank, if you're in the military, you know all those types of things. If I see something strange and in, in, within a sergeant rank, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. Well, I'm going to go to the go-getter, and I'm going to get his point of view. Then I'm going to go to the the complainer or that turd. I'm going to get their point of view, and then I'm going to start piecing everything together. So as a leader, you have to utilize everything that's around you. And I'm telling you right now, utilizing your complainer, utilizing that turd, that is one of the best ways, one of the best ways to be able to inspire your unit to do things that maybe they don't want to do. All right, I'm going to hit one more thing real quick. We got a, we got a couple more minutes here. So um, I'm going to hit enthusiasm. So I talked about before I walk around and I'm, I, I try to be uh, motivated when I talk to people like you just introducing or, or not introducing saying hi to folks walking down the hallway right like hey how you doing you doing all right today and I try to stay upbeat um, that's something that a lot of times gets lost when you are going day in day out doing the same things over and over and over and over that enthusiasm tends to drop well you as a leader have to be able to have enthusiasm as much as you possibly can because part of enthusiasm is is that's how you can inspire people to do stuff right and it has to be genuine you can't just you know pretend to be uh enthusiastic about stuff and you don't have to go over the top either but you have to show enthusiasm right so the definition of enthusiasm is intense and eager enjoyment interest or approval again intense and eager enjoyment interest or approval man like if you think about that definition and you're showing enthusiasm for your job you're showing enthusiasm for the for the people that work under you and you're showing enthusiasm for all of the things that you're assigned then that is going to spread and you want that to spread amongst your subordinates, amongst your peers, and you, and even into your seniors, right? You want that to spread. Um, but having that enthusiasm, I'll be honest, not every day do I come to come to work and I'm like super excited and I'm pumped and I'm you know motivated to go and do things. There are many times I come to work and I, I'll just want to sit in my office. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. But I know as a leader... I have to show enthusiasm as I walk around because it's not about me, the individual. It's about 
something bigger. That something bigger is the unit. That something bigger is, in my, my case, the Marine Corps, right? That something bigger is the United States of America and what it all represents. And I have to show enthusiasm to keep people in the fight, to keep people motivated to move forward and inspire them to continue to move and do what is best in the best interest for them, in the best interest for the unit, the best interest for the Marine Corps, the best interest for the nation. So if you, if you keep that in mind, um, you just have to somehow always have enthusiasm, right? That intense and eager enjoyment or interest in what people are doing or giving approval for different things, right? Um, but that is one of the best ways that you can uh, do or best things you can do to show people around you that it's not as bad as they think it is, right? And a lot of people will say, well, you know, false motivation is better than no motivation at all. And, and some people will be like, no, that's crap. That doesn't make any sense. And da, 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 da. Well, I'm here to tell you, there are many, many times that I utilize that false motivation because I'm not in the mood. I don't want to do it. But I take a step back and I go, okay, this isn't for me. It's for everybody else around me. And then I act enthusiastic and I, and I go out of my way to show them that I'm eager to uh, have enjoyment in what's happening around me and that that tends to list, lift everybody's spirits a little bit and gets them a little more excited about what is happening and being able to stay in the fight and do what it is that that they want to do um, I, I'll give you a good example okay so um, we we in the military right we uh, have to do field day so field day for people that don't know that's where you clean right you gotta you're gonna clean the the spaces that you work in you're gonna clean the the, the bathrooms you're you're gonna do all those types of things right and i'll be honest that's not a really enjoyable job and you know it's it's not what i joined the marine corps to do um, but that's a thing that has to happen it's one of those things that in the military that we do we have to make sure that we're cleaning up and we're keeping everything sanitized and all that type of stuff right well um one time as as we were assigned that and we were going through um everyone's spirits were down and everybody was all disappointed and i was like oh man i can't believe we have to do this it's an all-day thing and oh, i don't want to you know so we're all grumbling and griping and stuff like that and then out of nowhere somebody's like hey you know what let's just sing some songs while we're doing this and so they they started singing and singing different songs doing different things or whatever and all of a sudden that anger that that frustration of having to clean kind of got put on a back burner and now we have something new to bond us together right and and start to enjoy things and and not necessarily the enjoying of cleaning but the enjoyment of singing silly songs and being motivated in that sense so when you say false motivation is better than no motivation at all in my opinion that's that's very true that if you're having that even if it's false motivation starting out eventually it will turn into hey this is kind of fun this is exciting this is something new something different and then they'll start to want to do better and things like that but that that's a small example of what i'm talking about but but that's a real world thing that actually happened to me uh when we were doing field day um so i'm gonna wrap it up right there so uh friends and enemies right the complainer, the turd, and enthusiasm. Uh, and of course, the the first podcast, the uh, Fireside podcast of talking about this, we talked about genuinely caring. Um, so 
keep those things in mind. We're going to talk some more uh, a little bit later uh, on Friday. We'll discuss uh, a little bit further. We'll go into acceptance of failure and learning from your mistakes, uh, accountability, responsibility, and decisions. So we're going to hit those up on Friday as we're moving forward. Uh, but I want to thank you again for joining me and coming in and just uh, being a listening ear to me as I ramble on about crazy stuff or things that I believe are important. Um, stay tuned tomorrow for, um, nope, not tomorrow. Stay tuned. Yes, tomorrow. Stay tuned tomorrow <laughs> for um, another My Veteran Story. Uh, we'll continue on with uh, Bob. Uh, who we uh, had on before. Um, so we'll continue on with his story. Who's, he's got a fantastic story. A lot of great, great stuff there. Uh, so please stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm always interested in anybody that uh, would like to share their story. Uh, be sure and hit me up. Uh, the email, thelostartswithandrewcox at gmail.com. Uh, very easy to remember. I try to make everything the same. Uh, so it, with is spelled out, but uh, the lost art with Andrew Cox at gmail.com. So send me an email. Uh, you can shoot me something on Facebook Messenger. We're in the, I think, 1,700 uh, followers now on Facebook, which is tremendous. I never thought we'd go that far. Um, I, we are getting more and more listeners every day, and I'm excited for that. Uh, I'm excited for what's to come as we go around and uh, in the near future travel the country and interviewing veterans. So um, with that, that's all I've got for today. Um, stay motivated and change your socks.